Welcome to the Socks and Soul podcast. This is the very first episode of my podcast. I'm your host, Kelly Ditto, and I'm just thrilled that you are here with me today. I'm thrilled that you're uh, willing to come and listen and participate in this journey that is a podcast where I'm going to be talking to business owners and people that have taken ideas and done big things with them. So I thought I would do this episode and introduce the concept of Socks and Soul, what it's about, what we're going to be doing, and hopefully get you excited about it. I'm also really interested in your input. Uh, I imagine that this is going to be a really interactive podcast where I am asking my audience what they want to hear, finding guests that you're interested in hearing from, and bringing them on the show with me. This will be probably the only episode that I do that I don't have somebody that I'm interviewing. Most of them, I will have somebody on, and really it's not going to be me talking, it's going to be me interviewing them and hearing about their stories, how they did it, what works, uh, what doesn't work, their successes, their failures, uh, what kept them up at night, and uh, what has been their 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 biggest successes. So I thought I would just take a minute and explain why I started this podcast and what I'm hoping to get out of it. So I grew up in Central Oregon, mostly. We moved around a little bit when I was a kid, but I grew up mostly in Central Oregon in a small town called Prineville. Prineville um, is right in the middle of the state of Oregon. It's high desert country, and uh, it's a small town. It's known for a couple of things. Uh, used to be a lot of sawmills there. There still uh, were a couple there when I was growing up in the 90s. Uh, it's home of Le Schwab Tires. Uh, if you've ever heard of Prineville, Oregon, it's synonymous with, with Le, Schwab tire, uh, Le Schwab Tires because that uh, that's where Le Schwab is from. Also, it's big cattle country. There's a lot of cowboys there, a lot of, a lot of farms, a lot of ranches. It's a beautiful area. If you love the outdoors, it's a spectacular area. A lot of mountain climbing, a lot of lakes, a lot of hiking. Uh, we did a lot of that growing up. My parents were not entrepreneurs. Uh, my dad worked really hard for our family. I'm one of seven kids. I'm the fifth of seven kids. And we grew up, uh, you know, a tight-knit family. And my dad worked hard. Uh, he worked for technology companies and communications companies. He worked in fiber optics and splicing, if you know what that's all about. Um, but uh, he never owned his own company. He was never an entrepreneur in that sense. He instilled in us a great work ethic, the importance of working hard. He grew up in Montana. And, uh, and so he taught us how to work hard and get out there and make things happen that we wanted to. Um, that being said, as I was growing up, I had a whole bunch of mentors or people in my life who were entrepreneurs. Most of the people that had really a lot of influence on my life growing up were entrepreneurs. Uh, a couple of them as an example. My middle school basketball coach, uh, he owned the local grocery store. And, uh, and, and he was a really important mentor as I was growing up. He actually gave me my first real job. He hired me to work at his grocery store, and I'll never forget it. I went to the store. I was 14 years old. I was very young. I, uh, I went there, I, I got all ready, I did all the paperwork, and, and I was working with, uh, I was working with uh, you know, one of the managers or somebody else on the shift, and we were facing shelves, right? And this is where, if you've ever, if you've ever worked in a grocery store, you know what this means. But this is where you go to an aisle, and you, you make sure everything is facing forward and brought forward, right? So you want the shelves to look like they're complete, and they're full, and there's lots of food on them, and it's a beautiful presentation. So that's what I was doing on my first day on the job. So I was kneeling down, and I, and I had kind of, had one hand kind of, you know, off to the side, and I was facing with one hand. 
And my uh, my basketball coach, who was also the owner of this grocery store, he came down the aisle. He was a he was an awesome guy. He was a big, strong guy, fairly tall. Uh, you know, when you're 14, when you're a scrawny 14 year old, everybody's intimidating to you. So he came down the aisle as I was facing these shelves, and he looks at me and he goes, Kelly. I only hire 16 and up. And I remember looking at him and thinking, you know exactly how old I am. You're my basketball coach. You know what grade I'm in. And then he, he looked at me again after he could see my, my confusing, look, confusing look on my face. And he said, you work hard in basketball practice. I hired you because I believe you'll work hard here. If you work hard, you can stay. And he turned around and he walked away. And that was, that was my first lesson from uh, my basketball coach slash boss. Anyway, he, he was a good friend of mine. I looked up, to him to, uh, looked up to him a lot, and I'm really grateful for the things that he taught me. My scout leader growing up, he and his family owned a truck bed manufacturing plant. He also gave me one of my first jobs. Uh, when, I, when I was young, uh, me and my brother worked pulling weeds in his steel plant field. It was terrible work, and I'm sure I was not good at it at all. But he was willing to hire me as a young boy, a young teenager, and pay me to pull weeds in his field, which I'm sure he didn't actually need anybody to do that. Nobody really cared if there were a couple of weeds, you know, out there in his, you know, it was his field where he stored a lot of his metal in his steel. But I was so grateful to have the work. Because working for that, working for him, meant I was getting paid $4 more an hour than dad was paying me, because dad was paying me nothing. Um, the other one, I had other ones that were, uh, uh, that were home builders, uh, but, I had, but I had all of these, these young mentors growing up who owned businesses. And these, these men had great impacts on my life. And so I grew up with this belief that business owners and entrepreneurs were the most important people in small communities because they were the ones that provided, you know, these opportunities for young people. There's lots of people that, that you know, assisted me as well, but I just have this, this really embedded, important belief and admiration for entrepreneurs because, uh, because of the impact that they had, me, had on me as a youngster. Okay, so fast forward, I finish high school, I serve a mission for my church, I come home, I go to school, I get done with school, and I get my very first job out of school. And it's with a family auto glass company, okay? It's about 80 employees, and, and, and I just love this job. Uh, it's a very tight family environment. I get to work closely with the owners and with the managers of the company. It, it was a great experience. I learned a ton from them. I got my degree in marketing communications with an emphasis in business management. I never went on to get an MBA, but I always feel like the four years that I spent at Cindy Rowe Autoglass in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, uh, was kind of my, you know, my master's program. Uh, I got to I got to do things that uh, that were really exciting for me as a young business minded guy and work closely with entrepreneurs and entrepreneurial minded individuals. It was a really really cool uh, opportunity. So I worked there for about four years. Then the the owners of that company uh, they decided that they wanted to retire and so they essentially put the business up for sale and that's when i started looking for a different job we also uh, my wife and i annie we wanted to relocate to to uh, spokane washington we were living in harrisburg pennsylvania almost all of our family was out west my mom was in spokane uh, she was a widow my father had died in 2000 2001 
we wanted to be closer to her. We want to be closer to my family. Annie also comes from a large family. Uh, uh, most of her siblings were in the Northwest area. And so we decided that we wanted to see if we could move to Spokane. So I started looking for a job, uh, looking for another opportunity. Uh, so I landed a job with an organization called the NFIB, the National Federation of Independent Business. It's a state and federal small business lobby. They do an amazing work. They have members of their organization who are all small business owners. They join the organization and then they give input on legislation at the state and federal level that supports, uh, you know, the small business community. Essentially, what I have been doing since 2008 is interviewing small business owners what I mean by interviewing is most of the time I will walk into a business uh, without an invitation. I will ask to speak with the business owner about legislative issues. And undoubtedly, when you start talking to small business owners about policy, you get a lot of information about their business and how it works and where it started and why they started it, uh, the history of it, the succession of it, uh, the things that are concerning to them, the things that you know get them excited. Um, I worked through, you know, the depression and I worked through presidential elections. I've worked now through uh, the COVID-19 stuff and I've been able to watch and observe and interview these business owners day in and day out about the things that are going on in their lives. And I have come to have such even a greater um, admiration for what they do and how they do it. Small business owners are fascinating individuals. I believe today after interviewing thousands and thousands of entrepreneurs, that they are a finite resource. I don't think everybody's wired to be an entrepreneur. I think everybody can be if they really want to be. You can learn how to do it. But I think there's a certain amount of people that are just born with the bug to be an entrepreneur, to go out and start a business or to run a business and to put it all on the line. I find them fascinating. Uh, and so I, I typically interview between 10 and 20 of them each and every day. And they cover every industry you can imagine. They are farmers. They own retail stores. They have restaurants. They have online businesses. They're manufacturers. Uh, they're service businesses. Uh, they build homes and they cut grass and they cut hair. Uh, uh, the most interesting business I met, it was a guy who, uh, it was a cold December day and I knocked on his door and he opened it up and uh, he had a falcon chained to the middle of his living room. It was a gigantic bird with huge beak and big talons. And, uh, and I gave it one look and the guy says to me, he goes, oh, don't worry about her. She's just old. So I keep her inside during the winter. He invited me in and we talked about the policy. And in the process, you know, I learned that he has an aviary. He raises falcons and sells them all over the world. And he had a, you know, a falconry, if you will, in his backyard or whatever you call it. He had these big, beautiful, expensive birds that he bred and grew and raised and, uh, and sold. Some of them to Middle East royalty, uh, some for hunting purposes, some as mascots. Uh, they were big, beautiful birds. It was fascinating. I had no idea that, that that was a business that somebody was doing, particularly at a small local level. Recently, uh, I met a family who makes camping gear. 40 years ago, he decided that he wanted to, you know, make a better cot. And so he makes a cot and he makes a stool and he makes a table and his family has been manufacturing that right here, you know, in, in Spokane for 40 years. These are the stories that I love to hear. I love to talk to farmers and understand how they work. 
This is an industry where they don't control almost anything. They don't control the weather. They don't control the price that they buy it at. They don't control the price they sell it at. Uh, they have very little control except for when they put it in, what they put it on, and what they put on it, and when they take it out. They take huge risks with gigantic numbers. They buy half a million dollar combines and tractors uh, in order to, to do this. They take care of the land, and they do it all hoping that it will bring in income for their families. These are, these are great stories that I love to hear. I find them entertaining. What they have done is, is, in some cases, pure entertainment. Some of them have just stumbled across something when they were doing something else and turned it into a business. I find it incredibly inspiring. It makes me believe that if you have the will and you have the intent, you can go and make it happen. I've listened to stories of people who literally gave their last penny to make it happen, risked everything only to find success eventually. I've listened to them have huge failures. Most of these business owners have had failed business ventures, failed miserably, uh, and what they learned in doing that. I was reading a book years ago by Robert Kiyosaki called Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And in this book, he talks about formal education. And he is formally educated. He went to college. But he talks about how some of his most valuable educational points have come from his failed businesses. He did learn good things in college, but the application of running a business taught him more about business ownership than anything he could read from a book. And so I find the stories that the entrepreneurs have to tell to be very inspiring. It makes me want to go start a business. And I think more than anything else, these are the stories of America. These are stories of American greatness. And these are stories that we need to hear so that it can inspire us, inspire us as an audience to do better and to be better and to go try things, go make something happen. I met a, I met a gal years ago. Uh, it, I, I drove up on it and it was an unmarked warehouse, uh, uh, you know, a fairly small warehouse. Uh, it had no business markings on it. It had no signs. I just walked in the door and there were, there were people at stations working on something. I couldn't tell immediately what that was. The business owner greeted me. I told her I was doing legislative work and wanted to uh, get some input from her. And so she walked me back to her office and I showed her what we were doing. And then I asked her, I said, what, tell me about what you're doing. She said, well, I started, I started making jewelry and selling it on Etsy. And, uh, and it just kept growing. And pretty soon it, it, was, it was taking over our whole garage and our living room and our dining room. And finally, we decided that we needed a location. And so we had this place built. And now I have eight employees. My husband quit his job. And we sell jewelry on Etsy. They make customized jewelry on Etsy. It's just an amazing story. It's an amazing story. That's how I named the podcast. I've been getting a lot of questions about how and why I named the podcast what I did. Um, I, I put it out on social media and asked all my friends and family, some of you listening, I'm sure participated in this, where I asked you, I'm going to be doing this podcast. I want to talk to business owners and hear their stories. Uh, what should I call it? And I got some, I got some great responses. Um, the one thing that I wanted to steer away from and so I didn't put it in the title of the podcast was that I'm interviewing business owners. So I didn't want to call it stories from business owners. The reason is because this isn't really designed as a business podcast. This isn't a, this isn't a podcast just for business owners or for people who want to start businesses. I think those of you that are out there 
will, will take great value in the people that I interview and the stories you hear to be inspired and to get great ideas uh, and, to, and to potentially make some connections. I think all of those things are true. But I think that it's worth all of us hearing these stories because it can help us and entertain us in every facet of our lives. I think listening to entrepreneurs tell their stories can help us, you know, in, in our community activity. If we're involved in churches, I think it can help us be better members of the PTG, uh, helping out our schools be more innovative in the programs that we do with our kids. I think it can help us be better community leaders. I think it can help us be better business owners, no doubt about it. I think it can help us be better fathers and mothers and aunts and uncles. The, the thing that I find the most important about entrepreneurs is they continue to think outside of the box and they're willing to just take risks. So I named it Socks and Soul. Socks because most of the great ideas from entrepreneurs had humble beginnings. And so Socks is symbolic of that humble beginning. It could be Socks, it could be my basement, it could be my garage. Uh, but whatever it is, it came from some humble beginning. It started, you know, when you were doing something in my mind, you know, it starts when you were, you know, fiddling around on your computer or you were fixing something in your shop and, and you started this thing on a card table in your kitchen. And, and that's where the socks come in. It represents humble beginnings. It represents the beginning of ideas, where they come from and how they morph into great things because every great thing had to come from a small and simple idea. That's where they come from. And, and it's our responsibility as humans, as individuals, as family members, as community members, as church members, as entrepreneurs in the business realm, it's our responsibility to take those ideas and do something exciting with them. So that's what the socks represents. Also, I love socks. I love cool socks, I love unique socks, and I'm gonna try and do as many of my interviews in socks as possible and show them on camera because I think socks are amazing. Uh, a number of years ago, my wife makes fun of me like crazy for my, for my sock deal, but uh, I realized a couple years ago that one of my absolute favorite things is to put on new pairs of socks. They are so comfortable and they wrap around your feet and they make you feel like a million bucks. And it was, it's one thing that I can do and indulge in that doesn't cost a lot of money, but still makes me feel great. I love them with crazy designs. I love them when they're soft and I get rid of socks very quickly when they start to break down. And so I'm kind of a sock nerd. And so that's the other reason that I included socks in the title. The soul part is pretty self-explanatory. Successful businesses require your whole soul. You can't go in halfway. You have to dive in with both feet. You have to go in and make it happen. You have to take risks. You have to put your heart on your sleeve to make it happen. And, and these entrepreneurs that I interview, they have done that. They have poured everything into it. One of my first podcasts that I do, we talked to a business owner who waited years for the right moment to start his business. He had it formulated, he had it planned, he was waiting, waiting for the right opportunity to do it. He knew what it wanted to look like, but he just had to be patient before he could make it happen. And he did, and now he's running the business uh, of his dreams and having a great time doing it. Pouring your soul into something, I think that's important in anything you do. So there you have it, the Socks and Soul podcast with your host, Kelly Ditto. I'm really excited for this series. Uh, I hope we get a lot of participation. Uh, especially in these early episodes, I'm really interested in your feedback. 
what is interesting, what is not interesting, how can I help this be something that you want to listen to, you want to pass on to your friends, uh, so that we can make this as uh, is, is entertaining as and enticing as possible. I just really want to inspire people the way that I've been inspired as I've interviewed business owners over the years. So many times I've come home from work and just thought, man, I wish everybody could hear that story. And so I have a list of these entrepreneurs that I want to talk to. I want to bring them on camera. I want to get them behind a mic and I want them to tell their stories. I want them to show the world what they have done because I think it's fantastic. I think stories are some of the best teachers. Uh, you know, Christ himself worked in parables when he was here on the earth. And I think he did that for a reason. We remember stories and we remember the stories that they teach us. We remember the lessons that the stories teach us. So thanks for joining me. Thanks for being a part of this journey. I hope you listen to every podcast. I hope you comment and share it because that's the way I'm going to keep getting great guests and great content on the show. Welcome to the Socks and Soul podcast. Let's go. Let's go.